is a word that is prepared for us. It is my prayer that our hearts will be ready to receive from the Lord. And as we receive, we'll go out there and bear fruit. Please, with a round of applause, help me welcome the Papa of the house, Uncle Biju. Some of us are still feeling school sick. So sh shall we go to school today? Good morning. Today is Resurrection Sunday, but some of us are dull and stars be. What's happening? Is it because we are hiding behind the mask? Well, for me, today is um, a very, very special day for several reasons. Uh, we all know that today is, uh, today is Resurrection Sunday, isn't it? Um, even this question, do you mind me? Hey, teacher, are you alive? Yeah. All right, today is Resurrection Sunday. And in the Christian calendar, without the resurrection, this life we call the Christian life does not have any meaning. Like Paul said, if Christ did not resurrect, then all that we are doing is useless. You might as well eat, sleep, if like go to school, if like don't go, and then we'll die, and then we'll go away just like other animals. But Jesus Christ resurrected. Maybe one of these days we'll do a series to prove to you that Jesus Christ did resurrect. To prove from the Bible, to prove from the history, to prove from the secular world that Jesus Christ did resurrect. But we'll not be doing that this morning. Um, this morning, we, for those of you who just came back on midterms, our focus is on um, going back to the basics because. COVID made a lot of us backslide. Are you one of them? COVID made a lot of us backslide. We knew it. But uh, in the past two weeks, so many of you have called me personally to confess the fact that, look, I think I'm backsliding. And some of you were even worried that you didn't know how to get back. Some of you wanted to get back immediately. And it doesn't work that way. It takes time. Okay, so don't worry too much. Uh, we are trying to take you through the process of coming back to God. And that's why in these times, we are looking at what we call going back to the basics. I was telling that today is a very special day to me. Apart from the fact that today is Resurrection Sunday, I celebrate three birthdays in my life. The first one is my biological birthday, the day on which I was born, the 19th of February, many years ago. So every 19th February, I celebrate my birthday. It's nice to celebrate your birthday. 
apart from that, I was born again on Good Friday. So every Good Friday is a time for me to reflect on my life and what God has taken me through, look at my past life, and see where I've come. You see, some of us, we haven't lived a very bad past life, so we don't appreciate what it means like to have God in our life. But for some of us, we have lived two different kinds of life. Okay. And yesterday, I was, um, last Friday, I was thinking about some things I did in the past, but I said, hey, if I tell you that I did some of this, as many of you don't believe it. But it's true. I did them. But God's grace found me. And um, so every Good Friday, I reflect on the grace of God. And then the actual day of that Good Friday was on the 4th of April. So today, is this weekend, this Easter time is like a double, double spiritual celebration for me. I celebrated my birthday on Good Friday. And again, I celebrated my birthday. I'm celebrating my birthday today. So today, I'm still in a very reflective mood. So I wanted to carry you along with me. Moses, I want to carry you along with me. I wanted to sing, but I know if I sing, I'll cry. I'll cry and I'll cry too much. So I chose to hire a lawyer to sing for me and to think back, Moses and his friends, and to think back on what I've come through. And I pray that this would be your story too. That is what we have been doing all this while, going back to the basics. You know, when the 70 returned after Jesus sent them out, they came back excited that even the demons were subject to them. And then they didn't realize that they had power like that. And Jesus told them, look, don't rejoice in the fact that demons listen to you and obey you in my name, but rather rejoice in the fact that your names are written in the book of life. Moses, don't delay me. I know you haven't technical issues, but you are delaying me because uh, already my time is short because you wanted to have more time for praises and then we didn't, you didn't praise to you. You are not dancing, you are not singing, you are just looking at Uncle Solo and uh, uh, moral singing, and I don't know what we are doing. But today's Resurrection Sunday. Uh, if I had a stage, I nearly decided that I won't preach, uh, so that maybe we'll read the Bible or we'll do something else. So I'm still not too sure what to do. And now that the technical team is also having challenges, I'm not too sure what I'm going to do. So in the next five to ten minutes, I will decide what I will do. It's very difficult because the subject that I want to introduce, I myself am being tested on that subject. I'm going to introduce being led by the voice of God. Led by the voice of God. In the past few weeks, we have looked at repentance and we've seen how repentance is very, very important in our Christian life. We need to continually repent of our bad ways, of our attitudes. We need to continually change our minds and our attitude towards God. That results in decisions. And then we also look at the fact that 
we need to constantly believe the word of God and be led by the word of God. That's what happened to me many, many years ago. And it's happened to some of us. And now our lives are not... Can you stop and start again? The video is not coming. I don't know what's happening. Now our lives are supposed to be lived differently. And that's the reason why when we backslide, we feel bad. We, we are somewhere because that is not our life. Our life is to be led by the word of God. To live believing God. And that's the story that I want to share with us this morning. There's always a time in our lives where we begin our journey with God. We surrender our lives to Him and He takes over our lives and He controls our lives. But the truth is that when we do that, there's so much that happens in our lives. The Bible says that our sins are forgiven. Our names are written in the book of life. Joy floods our hearts. We have the peace of God. We experience his joy. Now we want to live for him. We want to serve him. We want to do something for him. And the more that we serve him, the, the more real he becomes to us. He becomes so sweet. He becomes so loving. And we experience his power and we experience his joy. We don't want to let him go. And that's the story I want to share with us this morning. If you make up your mind, I don't know what your life is like this morning. Maybe you have not had the opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus for him to control your life. I pray that on this Resurrection Sunday, my story would become your story. The story of many people will become your story. The truth is that he wants to walk with you. He wants to live with you. He wants to give you his grace every day. As you go through challenges and problems in life, grace would abound to you. He helps you to solve problems. He helps you to deal with the challenges of life. And you experience his grace day by day. And the more you experience his grace, the brighter your life becomes. More joy enters your life. And you experience what you call the love of God. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Please cut it. This can be yours. And if you don't hear anything today, if you don't do anything today, my prayer is that you surrender your life to Jesus. You repent and choose to walk with Jesus. Whether you have been walking with him in the past or not, if you've never done it before, I pray that you take that decision today. That you also will join me on the 4th of April as your spiritual birthday. But if you have taken that decision in the past 
and you have backslided, you have led your life in yourself, you know that you are not happy with yourself, and you know that God is not happy with you. And some of you, even though you are born again, you are even afraid that if anything happens to, know, to you now, you are not sure that you go to heaven. I pray that you believe a right this morning. You have the right attitude to God this morning as we share a few scriptures as time will allow us. Sidi, can you move? Is it Sidi? Can you move a little? I want to be, please help. I want to be seeing the time. Okay. Or just shift the time for me or something. I pray that by the time this service, it's okay, thanks. I pray that by the time this service is over, we would not be the same. When I was thinking of what to share with us because of what we've been talking about, I didn't want to initially preach um, an Easter message. I just wanted to continue the series because I sense deep in my heart that many of us are still struggling to come back to God. The truth is that like the father who was waiting for that prodigal son, God has been waiting for you. And he's still waiting for you to come back. This morning we'll look at a simple Easter story and we'll look at a few characters in this Easter story. And then I'll challenge us with certain attitudes that we need to have if we are to come back to God, if we are to continue having a meaningful life with him, experiencing of his grace and experiencing his joy moment by moment as we move on in life. Led by the voice of God. John chapter 20 and we'll read from verse 1. It's a very long passage. John chapter 20 from verse 1. I read from the Passion Version. John chapter 20 verse 1. Very early Sunday morning, before sunrise, Mary Magdalene made her way to the tomb. The first character that we'll be looking at is Mary Magdalene. If you read the, the, the four um, accounts of the Easter story, it, it, it's all centered around the tomb of Jesus and the reaction of many different people to the tomb of Jesus. The the, the Jews went to the rulers of the time and said that, look, this, this Jesus, he said that you will rise on the third day. So make, please give us authority so we can secure this tomb so that the, the disciples don't come and steal him away and come out with another theory that the resurrection that Jesus said he will resurrect, he has resurrected. So the Bible says that the, the rulers gave them a guard and a seal. So they went to seal the tomb and they were guarding the tomb to make sure that the resurrection did not take place. But there's no way you can stand the power of God. The Bible says, forever, O Lord, the word is settled in heaven. Whatever God has established, whatever God has decided to do, there's no one that can change it. What he chooses to do, he will do. 
And that is why we are talking about spending time to read the Bible. Friends, if you don't read the Bible and you call yourself a Christian, you are deceiving yourself. I don't know whether it was last two weeks or last week that I shared with us about how parents struggle and force to feed their children, even when the children, the babies especially, even when they don't want to eat. Because they are fully aware that if they don't eat, they will die. So don't force and give them food to eat. Even when they vomit it, don't force and give them another dose. Very early Sunday morning. Why very early Sunday morning? Because the Jews had a tradition, an instruction from the Old Testament about the Sabbath day, that they do no work on the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day, they rest. And when they say they do no work, they actually do no work. They don't even walk beyond a certain distance. So they're supposed to stay at home and rest. So there was no activity on Saturday. So very early on Sunday morning, many curious disciples decided to go and see what has happened. Many did not believe that he would resurrect. But they just wanted to do something. So like Mary Magdalene, she went very early to the tomb, and when she arrived, the Bible says that she discovered that the stone that sealed the entrance to the tomb was moved away. I'm sure it was a big shock to her. It's not clear, scripture does not tell us, it's not very clear whether she was aware that the tomb had been sealed earlier on. I don't know whether she was aware that it had been instructed that guards should guard the tomb should make sure that nothing happened. If you read other uh, accounts of the Easter story, the Bible says that an angel came to roll the stone away. It was like there was thunder and then the, the, the guards, they, they ran away. So just were running away because they had encountered the power of God and the, the stone was rolled away as Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. Well, again, it's not very clear from scripture whether it was because of the resurrection that the tomb was rolled away. But if you look at other accounts after the Easter event, the, the, the stone did not need to be rolled away for Jesus Christ to resurrect. We read a, an account of how one time the disciples were meeting in a room and Jesus suddenly appeared. He came through the walls and he appeared before them. And then within a short time after interacting with them, he vanished again. Jesus could have resurrected and then just walked through the, the, the big stone that had been rolled. So the, the essence of the stone being rolled away was not about the resurrection. But God wanted to make a, an important statement that Jesus is not in the tomb. He really has risen from the dead. It was, it was unheard of. Especially for somebody to say, I will die and I will rise again and for the person to rise again. Science cannot prove that. Science cannot replicate that. Anyway, so when she saw that the stone had been rolled away, in her shock, the Bible says 
she went back running as fast as she could to go and tell Peter and the other disciples, the one that Jesus Christ loved. She told them, they've taken the Lord's body from the tomb and we don't know where he is. Mary Magdalene's focus was Jesus. She was looking for her Jesus. Even if my Jesus is dead and I cannot see him again, she yet had not understood that Jesus Christ will rise from the dead. If I cannot see him again, at least let me see his body. Let me embalm his body. Let me think on him. Very typical of women. That's why women are more spiritual than we men. In her confused state, she rushed back and went to tell the guys, Charlie, the body is not there. The body is not there. I don't know where they are taking the body. Perhaps in their mind, the Jewish leaders or the soldiers may have carried the body to go and hide the body. I don't know what they were thinking. Scripture is very silent on that. Then Peter and the other disciple, the other two characters we'll be looking at, they jumped up. I'm sure they also reacted in their confusion. What on earth is going on? The Bible says they ran to the tomb as fast as possible. They wanted to go and see for themselves. Man, that's how we are. When we hear stories, we don't believe. Unless I see with my own koro koro eyes, I will not believe. Those of us who are married will understand this better. So the Bible says that Peter and John, they ran as fast as they could to the tomb. The scripture says that they started running together. But Peter, being an older man, could not match the pace of John. So John outran him. I don't know why John didn't wait for Peter. They were all anxious in their confused mind to confirm what really had happened. And the Bible says, John got to the tomb first. But when he got there, he did not enter. But he peeped small. In his confused state. Charlie, the thing is true. What Mary said is true. The body is not there. They've taken the body away. Or what have they done to the body? I don't know how many times he peeped. The Bible doesn't say. It only, he only says, it only says that he peeped and noticed that the body was not there. And that he was confused. And that he was at the mouth of the tomb. The Bible says that Peter came from behind him, finally caught up. And when he got there, the Bible says he went right into the tomb. He didn't stand at the tomb to peek. He ran inside. I don't know what he was going to do inside. But the Bible says he ran into the tomb. You see, we've been talking about believing on Jesus Christ, walking with Jesus, being led by his word. You can be led in many different forms. You hear the word of God, how do you react to it? Yesterday it was a disaster as the um, church workers meeting at which many of you did not come. I will not ask those of you who came or those who did not come. But those who did not come, you know yourselves. 
You don't care about what goes on in this church, Abby. Who should come and arrange the chairs for you to come and sit on? Maybe next week I'll ask the ashes not to arrange the chairs. When we come on, on Sunday morning, they will all come and arrange the chairs. Is it fair? Everybody will come, clean his chair, and then put it at the right place, and then sit on it. Is it fair? You're looking at me. But that's what you are telling us. That's what you are telling God. It is said of Jesus that zeal for your house has consumed me. Many years ago, one of the youth, I'll not betray the person, he was given a nickname that I will dwell in my father's house forever. He was always in church. Some of you, it's only on Sundays that we see you beautifully dressed. This time, beautifully marked, so we don't even see your nose, we don't see your face. We struggle to identify who is who. Like I'm struggling to identify some of you. I'm looking at your face, but I don't know who, it, who you are. Last week I met Olivia and I look, she greeted me. I look at her and I said, ah, who is this? The person looks familiar. And when you started talking, I said, ah, Olivia. I didn't know it was Olivia. We only see you on Sundays. And even on Sunday, you are late. Last week I was told that when I finished preaching, a youth entered teen chapel. What did I come to do? To come and bless us and give us a benediction. Your attitude to God and the way you yearn for God, the way you seek after God will determine the kind of encounter you have with him. It will determine the reality of God in your life and to determine how God intervenes in your life and works on your behalf. Last week I shared with you, miracles, they don't just happen. Miracles don't happen to everybody. I shared with you about how Jesus himself said there were several widows during the famine in Israel, but it was only one widow that God sent a prophet to go and give a word and sustain the prophet and sustain the widow throughout the time of famine. And scripture says there were many lepers but it was only Naaman who got healed of his leprosy. So it's good to talk about these stories. And we'll continue to talk about these stories. Naaman was proud. Yet, when his servants were bold enough to approach him and say, Hey, Master, you want to go back with this, your leprosy? If the prophet had told you to do some difficulty, you would have done it. One of these small things, just go and wash in the river. Naaman was humbled by his servants. The Bible says he turned around. He repented. He took a decision. And in humility, before all his servants, he went back to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times. And the Bible says when he came out, his flesh was as that of a brand new baby. If you stay in your proud state, I was talking about church workers, I'll come back to you, I haven't forgotten. 
If you stay, God, I told you, I didn't know whether I was going to preach today or not. If you stay in your proud state, and when they say do this, you do. When they say learn, you learn. But you want to get A, you want to get once. When they say read your Bible, you read. But you want, you, you want God to do a miracle in your life. And tonight, I know many of you will be in church today. You want to come and listen to Prophet Anon? Isn't it? And pray that he will call your name and give you a word of prophecy. But read your Bible, you read. I was asking the church workers because I charge all of us who are in church. I said, pray for 15 minutes every day. Not one single person did it consistently every day. I will not ask the rest of us because the rest of us, even church workers, we don't come. Praying in tongues, I know. Okay, let me not put it that way. Let me not make a bad declaration. But you see, there are some things that when we tell you to do, if you don't do it, you remain in the same state. Listen, God knows why He gave us this gift of praying in tongues. The devil knows. So He will do everything He can to make you not to pray in tongues. You are talking of 50 minutes if it's a big deal. It's no big deal. Though. And the thing about praying in tongues is that your mind is not involved. So you can be doing whatever you are doing and still be praying in tongues. So long as your heart is involved. You can be on the loo and be praying in tongues. You can be cooking and playing in tongues. You can even play soccer and pray in tongues. You can be doing it because your mind is not involved. Just get your heart focused on what you are doing. And let the Holy Spirit do the rest. The Bible says you build yourself up. He will help you in your weaknesses. I don't, I'm not talking about praying in tongues. I don't want to go into those details. But he will help you. You build stamina. You build capacity. You build tenacity. You build spiritual strength. You even build mental strength. Listen. I'm digressing now. One of the things that I always encourage students to do when you come under stress, just go and hide somewhere small and pray in tongues. Many of you will be going back after midterms. When you have learned, ah, your head is aching, your head is hot, but you know you haven't finished learning, you have to continue learning. Just pause. Give yourself some five, ten minutes. Go and hide somewhere and pray in tongues and then come back. Try it a few times and come and give us testimonies of the difference. You see, the Bible, you see, the, the brain is compartmentalized. There are different segments of the brain. And by the way, we the guys, we use only half our brain. I hope you are aware of that. Some of you are aware, some of you are not. We guys, we use only half our brain. And that is why sometimes we do foolish things. Let me not digress too. I'm digressing from my digression. When you pray in tongues. Your, the Bible says that your mind rests. The Holy Spirit gives you rest. You are stressed out from learning or you are stressed out from whatever is giving you the challenges. But as you pray in tongues and build up yourself, your mind rests. How it happens, 
I don't know, but scripture says so. So you rest your mind and you come back and you say, you are more refreshed. You are more, let, me, let me go on. So the Bible says that Peter got there and he ran straight into the tomb. And when he got into the tomb, he noticed that the linen cloths were lying there and the burial cloth that had been used on Jesus' head had been rolled up and placed separate from the other clothes. Then the other disciples who had read the tomb first went in and after one looked, the Bible says he believed. I pray that you will believe in God this morning. I pray that as you hear the word of God, something that God has been speaking to you about, you believe. But you see, This church, I keep telling us to go to the mortuary if you get the opportunity. Many of you are still afraid to go to mortuary. If you are not bold enough to go to the mortuary, go to the hospital. Go to the emergency ward. Just stand there and look around. Your attitude to life will change. All of us are beautifully dressed this morning, our hair's done, nice clothes, etc. When you go to the world, see whether any of them is dressed as beautifully as you are this morning. In the hospital, nobody cares about how they look. They may try to look a little presentable, but they don't care to look their best. What they are interested in is healing for their body. That is what they want. Go to the hospital. See people in distress. If you are bold enough, go to the mortuary and see dead bodies. And if you, if you go to the mortuary, the mortuary people, they are very good at that. They want to show you, they want to show you life, so they'll do all kinds of things to frighten you. Even some of your parents are afraid to go to the mortuary. But all of us, one day, we may end up there. Go and see how your end is like. It will change your attitude to life. It will change your attitude to God. It will change your attitude to death. In the Jewish culture, you know, when um, you, 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 you serve, uh, when, when you cook and you serve uh, royalty, people in, who are in authority over you, you know, when somebody has finished eating, they wipe their mouth, wipe their beard. I don't know, those days, the beards, they have very long beards, so some of the food may enter, enter the beard. They wipe all that, and they just throw the napkin on the table. When the servant, who is hanging around to see that the, the masters and the guests have finished eating, when they notice that the napkin has been thrown on the table that way, it tells them that the people have finished eating, so they can come and clear the table. But if somebody is eating, and he gets up and folds the napkin nicely and puts it by the plate. You dare not touch the plate. Because what that means in their culture is that I haven't finished eating, I'm coming back. I don't know if I've ever gone to a restaurant before and then you eat it, have something happen, you stood up small, but then he came back, the plate was gone. 
But for the Jews, when the napkin is neatly folded, it means that the master has not finished eating. Don't touch my plate because I'm coming back to complete the, the food. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, the clothes that were hanging around him, he didn't need them anymore. There was no need for it to be in any form. In fact, the Bible says that the cloth that covered him were lying there, but the one that covered his head was neatly folded and placed where his head was. God was making a statement. Jesus Christ is coming back. And we must know that this is true. He's coming back. The truth is that the church does not believe that Jesus is coming back. I don't know the last time when you heard a message about Jesus is coming back. If you live in the reality that Jesus is coming back, there are a lot of things that you will do. And there are some things that you stop doing. Last week I asked the facilitators. And let me ask you this morning. You know me, I like to talk about death. People don't like to talk about it, but for me, from time to time, I like to talk about death. If you knew that next week you will not be in church, are you listening? If you know that next week you will not be in church because you will no longer be on this earth, your body will be found only in the mortuary. Between now and that time, what will you do? You do go and look for your last pizza to eat. You look go visiting your friends to say bye bye. What I'm asking you, what will you do? Think about it. You don't. We don't normally think about these things, but it can happen. What will you do? I pray that nobody dies. I pray that God will give us life and will live our full life unto our great age when we are still strong before we go. But we will not just live, but we will live serving God like David did. The Bible says that when David has served his generation, he died. May you serve your generation before you die. May you not just live and die. You were not born to come and show your body and to show the beauty that you have or the intelligence that you have or the power you have or the money that you have. You were born for an assignment. God has given each and every one of us an assignment. And may you leave your assignment before your time is up. Jesus lived for only 33 years. Many of the facilitators are older than 33 years. Either way, Jesus but now they have been dead and gone. Jesus was bold enough to talk about his death. And the disciples could not understand. It says, before long, I will die. But after three days, I will rise again. They didn't listen to the three days part. They listened to that, I will die. Peter said, Lord, you cannot die. You will not die. Listen. There's a time and a season for everything. Jesus said, I will die. I will be buried. But after three days, I will rise again. Even though Peter said you wouldn't. And Jesus rebuked him. That get away from me, Satan. Because it was Satan that had influenced him to say what he said. 
The same person who received the revelation from God that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. So don't think that because you are an intercessor or you are a prophet or you are an usher, whoever you are, the devil cannot use you. Be careful. Let's all be careful. John went in, took a second look, and he believed. What did he believe? It's not clearly stated, but he believed. And I pray today that we will all believe. The Bible says, for until then, they hadn't understood from the scriptures that were prophesied that he was destined to rise from the dead. They hadn't understood. It hadn't gotten into their heads. Let alone get into their minds. They couldn't comprehend. How can Jesus die and rise again? They were so saddened by his death. And they were thinking about the implications of his death. Look, after all, we have left everything to follow this man. We thought he was the Messiah. We thought he would save us. But now see, he's dead. He's gone. At a very young age, he's left us. He's disappointed us. He's filled us. But John went in, took one look again, and he believed. You see, last week I was telling you that I'll be talking to you a little bit about um, uh, repentance and how the repentance leads to the miraculous. You cannot understand. You cannot explain it. In fact, repentance leads to what we call metamorphosis. You know, it's a complete transformation, a complete different being, different situation. You see the situation before and after, and they're so different, you cannot even differentiate. I mean, you cannot tell that it, this, it was this which was like this before. I don't want to digress again. Puzzled. Peter and the other disciple, they left and went back to their homes. I wonder how they were thinking, how they were saying as they walked back. They ran to the tomb. They walked back home. I'm sure they were confused. They must have been walking slowly. I don't know, at least after Peter, I know Peter was a, a, a sanguine, so I don't know, maybe he might have said one or two stupid things. But I wonder what John must have been thinking as they walked back home. Scripture says that he believed. Is it possible that he may have been thinking about all the things that Jesus said? That he found difficult to believe at that time and was beginning to be, realize that ah, so this one too is true, and this one is true, and this one is true, and this one is true. I pray that you will have that kind of encounter with God where He opens your mind and your heart of understanding and you give you enlightenment to see the scripture and you believe. Then all the things that you have been pumping into your heads all this while read your Bible or read your Bible, do your quiet time, pray in tongues. Serve the Lord. Live for other people. Serve people. These things will become real in your life. For once. And your life will not be the same again. Peter and John walked back home. Mary Magdalene was the one who went to the tomb and noticed that the tomb 
had been, the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. She ran back in a confused state and went and told the disciples. John and Peter ran back to the, ran to the tomb to go and see for themselves. When they saw, they were confused and started walking home. But the Bible says that Mary, from verse 11, Mary arrived back at the tomb. When you are looking for Jesus, you don't give up. You pray in tongues five minutes, you don't see anything, and then Uncle Bejia is talking about the supernatural, then you give us speaking in tongues. You witness to one, two, three people, and they all insult you and say, I'll never witness again. You come to church, workers meet you, you are trying to help out, and then Aunt Gina will say something to you that it hurts you so much. I will never be a church worker again. And you come for intercessors meeting, and the caribou is leading us in prayer and say, Don't, don't cl- close your mouth, open your mouth and, and pray. And say, ah, you two, what kind of two no person is this? I will not join intercessors again. The Bible says that Mary went back to the tomb. And the Bible says that she was broken. And she was weeping. Many of you have backslided. You want to come back. But you don't care. You are just there. You want God to come and do some supernatural thing and then you'll be on fire like how you were at camp. When they say pray in tongues, you pray. When they say do your quiet time, you do your quiet time. Some of you haven't done your quiet time even this morning. I know. I won't ask you. But ask yourself. And some of you, when you, after all that you are hearing, you are being challenged, when you go back home, you still will not do your quiet time. Pray 15 minutes, you will go back, you won't pray 15 minutes. But you expect the supernatural. You expect the grace of God to do everything for you. Hey, it doesn't work that way. John and Peter were puzzled. They were confused. In their mind, there was chaos. And they were thinking. But Mary was broken. She was weeping. Where is my Jesus? At this Easter, today's resurrection, you're wearing white. Fine, fine. Some of you say, okay, you're going to praise God. Whatever, whatever resurrection means to you. But Mary was broken. Sobbing. She knew that Jesus was not there. But she came back. And the Bible says she stooped. And then looked again. So is it real that Jesus is not there? Where is he? Where is his body? The Bible says when she looked again. This time. Sitting where Jesus' body had been laid. Sitting where his body has been laid, where where am I? The Bible says she saw two angels in dazzling white robes. It's interesting the way John describes it because the Bible says that. She was crying, and as the tears were falling, you know, between the tears, she saw something. So I'm sure she was wondering, what am I seeing? Am I seeing a vision? What I'm seeing, is it real or not? 
through her tears, she saw two angels in dazzling white robes, sitting where Jesus' body had been laid, one at the head and the one at the feet. And they asked her, dear woman, why are you crying? Listen. Our tears do reach out to God. We often tell you that it is not your tears that brings answer to prayer. It is not your shouting that will bring answer to prayer. But it's your faith in the word of God. But let me submit to you this morning. Brokenness and tears that come out of brokenness even without a word being spoken, reaches out to God. In the Old Testament, we read about Hannah, who was troubled in her heart because she did not have a child. She had poured her heart out to God to extend that at a, at a time she didn't have a voice anymore. And in her brokenness and a desire to have a child, the list was just going up and down. But her heart reached out to God and God answered her. Your tears will reach out to God. Some of you have never been broken in the presence of God before. I'm sure sometimes when I'm preaching I, uh, I start weeping. Some of you wonder what's wrong with this man? There's nothing wrong with me. I'm correct. I'm very, very correct. I remember that many years ago, we used to attend a setting all night, and um, at that all night, we used to do all kinds of things, and God moves in many ways, and one time I was leading praise and worship, and then I was weeping, I was leading praise and worship, and somebody had been invited to come to the church for the first time. So, if you have this time, you see tears falling, it's, it's normal, it's not, it's, I'm not mad, I'm all right, okay, I'm very, very okay. So, then later he asked the mom, ah, that young man, what is wrong with him? Why is he crying? The mother understood. You did there. She kept coming to the all night. But the third all night, when we pray, come and see this girl. Weeping. And the mother said, why are you weeping? <laughs> there are some things that you cannot understand. But there's some kind of brokenness that reaches out to God even when your lips do not speak. So the angels asked the woman, why are you crying? They asked. And then Mary answered, they have taken my Lord away. Who is Jesus to you? Is he just a miracle worker? Or is he just the one who supplies your needs? Or is he your savior? Is he your master? Is he the controller of your life? Is he your Lord? Do you take instructions for him? Is he your commander? We are talking about being led by the voice of God. Do you hear his voice? Do you follow his voice? Is he your Lord? They have taken my Lord away and I don't know where they have laid him. The scripture says, then she turned around to leave. She may have concluded that there's no hope. And as she turned, 
there was Jesus standing in front of her. But she didn't realize that it was him. And he said to her, Dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Sometimes, the way God does some things, I don't, I don't understand. Though. God knows exactly what is in our heart. He knows what we want. He knows what we are looking for. But there are times that you come to us and ask us, what do you want? I'm sure some of us, because we have not been listening to his word, we have not been reading our Bible, we don't know our Bibles, and we don't believe anything. But we claim that we are Christians. When God appears to us and asks us, what do you want? You don't even know what to ask. You need plenty of things, but at that time you'll be confused. You don't even know what to ask. I don't want to move to Solomon. Maybe another time. Mary answered, thinking that he was only the gardener. He said, Sir, don't come and give me wahala. If you have taken his body somewhere, just tell me and I will go. And the Bible says that Jesus interrupted her and called her name Mary. When Jesus mentioned her name, even though she had been talking to Jesus, and she didn't know it was Jesus, when Jesus mentioned her name, she turned to face him and said, Rabboni, in Aramaic meaning teacher. She recognized Jesus when Jesus mentioned her name. God will call out your name. And you will know that this is God. And when he calls your name, in whichever state you are, listen and obey. Paul was being stubborn. Then called Saul. And he thought he was doing what was right. He went about killing Christians. To the extent that every Christian was afraid of Saul. The Bible says the one time he was on the road to Damascus. A lightning struck and he fell down and he heard a voice calling his name Saul. When God calls your name, may you hear and may you follow and may you continue to learn to hear his voice and follow all the time. Then Jesus cautioned and Mary don't cling to me, for I haven't ascended yet to my father, and he's not only my father and my God, but now he is your father and your God. Now go and tell your brothers what I've told you, that I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. Because of Mary's desire and brokenness, seeking after God, Mary had an encounter that no other person ever had, not even the Apostle John. Mary interrupted the spiritual agenda of heaven 
It's, time is gone, so I cannot explain further. But when you go back, go and read Exodus chapter 29 to understand um, um, the, the, the story I'm about to tell you. There were protocols that were laid down as to how blood that had been sacrificed, the blood of animals that had been sacrificed, there was a prescribed procedure by which they must be presented in the tabernacle. The first lamp was, the ram was killed and the blood was put on the horn of the altar and the rest of the blood was poured near the altar. The second ram was killed and it was, it was sprinkled on the, and around the altar. When Jesus Christ died and he shed his blood, what we saw in the Old Testament was only a shadow of what was to happen, the real thing that was to happen. When Jesus Christ died and he resurrected, he was on his way to heaven to present his blood before the altar of God. And Mary, because of a desire seeking after God, he brought, she broke that protocol. Jesus had to adjourn his assignment and reveal himself to Mary. And then after he had done that, he said, I'm going to heaven to present myself and to present my blood before the altar in heaven. May your desire and seeking after God cause God to move on your behalf in ways that no other person may experience. We need to close this thing quickly. We'll continue another time. In Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3 from verse um, You know verse 20 very well. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens, I will come in and fellowship with him. But to understand that verse very well, we need to take it out from verse 14. Revelation chapter 3 from verse 14. You see, the Spirit of God speaking through John to the churches, the church at Laodicea, was telling them, look, you, this church, you are neither warm nor hot. You are some way. You, you are not hot. You are not warm. You pray in tongues today. Tomorrow you don't pray in tongues. Today you are happy in the Lord. Next time you are not happy in the Lord. Are you sure you give me the scripture? I just want to summarize it. You, you, today you are happy. Next time you are not happy. I mean, you are always like this today. And like that tomorrow. And then he, he went on to say that, look, listen. I am constantly at your door. And he was talking to Christians, not to unbelievers. We normally call this scripture to unbelievers. I stand at the door. And I'm calling you. I'm knocking at your door. Open to me. Many of us, we don't care. We won't open. We won't mind Jesus. We will leave him. Let him knock. When he's tired, he'll go away. It's knocking at your door. That's your boyfriend. That's your girlfriend. The things that you have been doing, it's not right. Stop it. Oh, Jesus, just keep knocking. You will not listen. You will not mind. Steady, oh, steady. Your parents have paid money for you to go to school. Steady. When you get excellent results, you honor God. 
Let Jesus keep knocking. I don't care. I don't really mind. Come to church early. Let Jesus keep knocking. But when it is miracles, when Jesus knocks, no, you open the door. I am ready for miracle. Jesus says, if you hear my voice and open, I will come. If you hear his voice and you don't open, he will not come. He says, I will come to you and we would have fellowship together. We will live our lives together. We will study together. We will read the Bible together. We will witness together. We will do everything together. You have fellowship with me. You begin to enjoy what it means to live in union with God. And you'll be charged up to go and share with other people this life. The adult church is closing, so I need to wrap up and close. Romans 8.14 tells us that this was my, my verse I was giving when I was being confirmed. I said, <laughs> There's many people who don't know what confirmation is. Okay, that's in the Orthodox Church. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. I would have given us an explanation to the background of this. But you see, children of God must be led by God. Jesus says, my sheep hear my... Please give me John chapter 10 and we'll close with this. Jesus said that my sheep hear my voice and I lead them and they follow me. They hear my voice. I lead them. What's happened to IT today? John chapter 10. Okay. Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the, of the, is, the, of the, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep By name, and he leads them. God will call your name. Verse 4. When he, was, he has brought out all his own outside. I don't like this verse. Let me read my version. Okay. When he brings out his own sheep. Can you give me the um, New King James, please? If you have it. When he has brought out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. You see, Jesus will call you by your name. And when you hear and you follow, he will go ahead of you and he will lead you. He will show you the way of life. He will show you how to pray. He will show you how to do your quiet time. He will show you how to read your Bible. He will show you how to study. He will show you what to study. He will show you the course you should do. He will show you the school you should go to. 
He will show you whether she should move with that boy or she should not move with that boy. He will show you whether she should move with that girl or she should not move with that girl. He will lead you. Don't take the scripture off. I'm closing. He will lead you. The next verse, please. A stranger's voice, they will not follow. You see, if you do this and you say, the devil made me do it and give all kinds of excuses, all means that you are following the voice of a stranger. And I know how it is like because I've been there myself. But if you keep hearing the voice of God, you will not follow the voice of a stranger of a sis. Then the, the, this parable Jesus spoke unto them, but they did not understand what he was saying. Let's go quickly. Then Jesus said unto them again, Of a truth I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. We say, All that ever came before me, they were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, even the man enters. You see, before you enter, you have to hear his voice. And when you hear his voice, you have to follow. He shall be saved. And he shall go in and out and find pasture. You will go in and out and you will find good things in life. Your studies, your business, your struggles, your problems, your issues. You don't need prophet and not to speak into your life. I'm not saying it is not good when gifts of God are used, the spiritual gifts of God are used to manifest and minister to us. But what I'm saying is that the primary way that God leads us is by his voice. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you will have life. If you hear my voice, you will have life. And you have life more and more abundantly. Let's jump to verse, verse 16. I am the other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring in. They shall hear my voice and they shall be one fold and shall have one shepherd. And he goes on and on and he finally concludes in verse 27 by saying, my sheep hear my voice. This morning may you hear the voice of God. I know I have spoken to you the words of life. I don't know what your life is like. And I don't know what you want to make of your life. I don't know what you have believed. But in this Easter season, I want to announce to you that Jesus Christ came and died for our sins. If you know deep down in your heart, you have never, or you are not sure what you have done, whether you have heard God's voice and have heeded to his voice and surrounded your life to him for him to take over and control your life. If you've never done that or are not sure, with every eye closed, I want to invite you to rise up on your feet. If you know, not everybody, I'm talking to some specific people, you know that you have never ever surrounded your life to Jesus Christ. And the truth is that even as I'm speaking to you, it's as if suddenly some fear has entered you. You don't understand where the fear came from. It's the uncertainty of what I'm talking about. If you don't know Jesus and you've never surrendered your life to him, I want to plead with you. Rise up on your feet as a sign that you want to surrender your life to him. I'm waiting for you. God bless you.
this, this thing is no competition. It's, it's you and God. Anybody else? God bless you. Don't look around. Close your eyes. When God is speaking to you, if, if I, the whole place is quiet. I'm the only one talking. But I know God is speaking to all of us. I want you to experience what I experienced 41 years ago on that Good Friday on the 4th of April. There are so many uncertainties, so many things which are not clear in your mind. But God wants to lead you by his voice. He wants you to live the abundant life. Say this prayer after me and make it your own words. Lord Jesus I don't understand everything but this morning I hear your voice calling me and I have come receive me forgive me come into my life and live with me in Jesus' name. While you remain standing, facilitators, please come and attend to the one-on-one very quickly. Facilitators, please pick any one of them. Facilitators, please quickly attend to them one-on-one. There's a lady here and there's another lady here. Very quickly, please. Just take them out to the corners and then attend to them. The rest of us, in the next two minutes, I want us to think about our God, whatever resolution you have made as a result of what you have heard, I want you to talk to God. I want you to believe God. 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 In this life, it takes faith in God. John took a look and he believed. Mary heard a voice and she shouted, Lord, believe God. Believe God. Jesus rose again from the, from the dead. He's the son of life and he is what he says he is. What he has promised he would do, he would do. Let us believe God together. In this week, may we continue to hear his voice. May he lead us. May he direct our paths. And may we do what we know is right. May we make time for our Bibles. May we make time to be in God's presence and to talk to him and tell our friends about Jesus. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray, oh God, that you help us in this season to be revived as we continue to hear your word, as we continually read your word, that we will continually believe you and live for you as we think about the resurrection of Jesus. May we have the experience that Mary had May we encounter you, not just today, 
but every other day of our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, help us to live for you.